Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. You hear all that energy in my voice? I don't know where it's coming from. I'm kind of exhausted. I did that three weeks in East Africa and then came home for three days and then ran off to Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire. I got back on Saturday night and then our travelers for CSIM Ghana arrived yesterday, Monday. They are a fun, self-sufficient and energetic group. So they haven't required much handholding or anything. I came home on Saturday. I was delirious. I laid in the bed all day Sunday and then went to hang out with Davida. She was staying in a condo nearby that had like this really dope rooftop with a beautiful view of the city. A couple of our other friends that live here were also there. So we hung out and it was good times. And then yesterday I had to like pull my life together or try because we had an opening dinner last night and I was supposed to move into the hotel. So I had to like repack my luggage, which I didn't really unpack. I just left everything sprawled in the living room. I had to wash it and all that. And then iron. I I didn't even own an iron when I lived in LA and I iron every weekend that I'm actually in Accra. That's not the point. The point is I preserved all my energy for the dinner last night. And my plan was to come back after dinner and finish packing and then go to the hotel. And I came back and I crashed again. I'm supposed to be at the hotel now. Luckily, everyone's having a beauty day. So everyone's getting braids. Like some people are braiding with my braider in the hotel room. Other people have gone to the braiding compound. A bunch of other people went to get their bikini wax. Remember I told you the lady that does the vajayshul with like the massage and the steam and all that. Like a bunch of women were like, I want that spa. So they went there. And then there's a spa at the hotel. The women are all getting beautified. The way they looked yesterday will be entirely different than the way they look today. It's always fun seeing the transformation. Like everybody shows up with loose hair and then literally the next day, every single person, at least the people who don't have locks, every other person has braids. It's so cute. So I can't wait to see everyone's transformation at dinner tonight. But I was like, yo, I'm about to get up in the morning and do this podcast. And then I'll head over to the hotel. We'll see. Because the place we're going to dinner is literally around the corner from my house. So I don't even have to like go to the hotel to like catch the bus with the group. And I was like, no, I could actually just walk over there. And maybe I'll just walk back to my house afterward. We'll see. I miss sleeping in my bed. But I have to be present for my group when they need me. Which they're really like, hey, Demetria, thanks for the invite. Okay, we got it from here. (laughs) They're a fun, fun group so far. I'm like really excited to explore Ghana with them. The upside, though, of me being on the road for so long is that I've missed Ghana. I've missed going to like my favorite restaurants or just hanging out in my favorite coffee shop. So I get a chance to reacclimate to the city or the country because we're going around the country. We're hitting three different cities. So I get a chance to reacclimate and get to enjoy this country with the group. And then also we have a couple of things on the itinerary that I've never had a chance to do before. Like I have a bucket list of things I wanted to do in Ghana. And one of them I intentionally saved because I wanted to experience it with the group. It's what's called the Slave River Tour. It's the last bath that captured Africans would have taken before they headed to Cape Coast Slave Dungeon, um, where they would have been there indefinitely, up to three months, waiting for the slave ships to return to the dungeon. But the last bath is a complete experience. I've only seen video of it. Davida's done it with other groups that I didn't participate in. So I'm really excited to experience that with them. What else is going on? Oh, (laughs) I have so many stories I could tell. This is the interesting one. So I've been in this 
group chat for expats that live in Ghana. And this one is specifically for black women. There are bunches of these chats. I will refrain from naming this one. But a very interesting thing happened in the group. And I wanted to share it with you because I was like, what the fuck? But then I shared it with other people and they were like, what the fuck? For the opposite reason. So I've been in the group like since I arrived. There's a woman I met here. She's from back home and we have mutual friends. So we met really cool chick and we're around the same age. So she was like, oh, there's this women's group and you should join it. I don't think I've said anything other than to introduce myself the whole time I'm in the trip, which I think is important to say after I tell you what just happened in the group. So this woman, and it was like a, a, a pretty regular conversation. I hadn't checked the chat in a couple days. I usually go back and like, you know, read through it. They post a lot of things that don't usually just fall on my radar. Lectures at universities, author chats, yoga and Pilates classes, or art shows or things like that. The stuff that falls into my purview, you know, through my friend circle and the accounts that I follow on Instagram tends to be very entertainment or celebrity related. You know me, I like fufu shishi shit. The group is not fufu shishi. And I appreciate that because you need balance in your life, right? The group is more, if I had to describe it, very pan-African in thought. I moved to Ghana because I liked how international it is. I feel like a creative vibe here. I've said many times that I feel like You know, it's like living in the middle of a renaissance. I have dope friends here and I like hanging out with them. I like the restaurants. I like the social scene. It's a nice fit for me creatively and then also for my disposition. Essentially, I live in Ghana the same way I did in not so much L.A., more so New York. So I appreciate conversations about creating businesses and entrepreneurship, creating wealth, um, creating jobs. Ownership, ownership, ownership. A lot of conversations in this group focus around those things. And so in Ghana, there is a large Lebanese population and they own a lot of industry. So a lot of restaurants, like the fancier restaurants in Ghana, have Lebanese owners. One of the big grocery store chains has Lebanese owners. A lot of buildings, infrastructure is being built by the Chinese. Ghana's equivalent of... It's not so much a Target, more like a Walmart. It's literally called China Mall. You can guess who owns that. There's a similar resentment that I would say that Black folks in the States have for folks coming into predominantly Black communities and building businesses. If you think at home, like the owners of nail salons, the owners of bodegas in New York. So there have been times where an expressed resentment have come up in the group, but usually the conversation pivots pretty quickly from resentment to we need to, you know, follow in their footsteps. We need to create our own wealth so we don't have to ask for permission. You can just announce what you're doing because you and your community have your own resources to do what it is you want to do. That's the, the core sentiment, I would say, of the conversations that happened in the group. So within the last, I don't know, week or so that I hadn't scrolled, this conversation started. And I don't even remember what the conversation was. But this woman was discussing Lebanese, Chinese. There's also an Indian population here, too. This woman refers to Lebanese people as sand crackers. And then she calls, then she calls Asian people rice crackers. And then she calls Indian people dot heads. 
All terms I have never heard before. So I'm reading through the thread and it's like, you know, the, the standard ownership, economics, black dollar circulating, blah, blah, blah. And then she's talking about something along those lines. And then she drops like these slurs. And I was like, what the fuck? So very quickly, somebody checks her and was like, hey, that's not cool. That language is, is unacceptable and not tolerated here. Like, stop. There wasn't the moderator though. A couple people like the response, like checking the woman who used the slurs. The moderator sees it and pops in and was like, hey, this is a safe space. This is not a racist space. Let's be mindful of the language that we use here. And also be mindful that there are members of the group who have friends, family, and partners who are a part of the groups that derogatory names have been used to describe. Let's keep it cute and let's not, you know, use this kind of language. Thanks. So the woman responds, what kind of coddling white supremacy shit are y'all on? And she was like, first and foremost, miscegenation, which I haven't heard that word, I don't think since college, interracial sex, essentially. That's one of the nine, what does she call it? She said, that's one of the nine weapons of white supremacy. That's a quote. She tells the woman who spoke up, who spoke up about the language that she used and the moderator that they're soft shoeing. <laughs> They're soft shoeing and cooning and then post a picture of Daffy Duck dancing. I'm laughing because it's so comically racist. This is like the level of racist that you see in like a cartoon or a badly written script where it's just like, what? Like who speaks like that? When it comes to racism, I've had tons of racist incidents. I've never directly been called the N-word. I've been present where I've heard someone and I don't think it was necessarily intended for me to hear. I just think it was being casually said and they weren't even thinking about me or the group of people that I was with on the other side of the restaurant because that became a whole incident. I'll tell that story one day. But you know how I speak regularly about how LA was the most racist place I've ever lived. And I was like, and I keep saying, I'm like, LA was racist as fuck. LA was racist as fuck. Nobody ever called me a racial slur. But there were tons of incidents, many of which I've described on here. And I'm accustomed to when black people are being quote and unquote racist, um, it's aimed at white people. Usually something crazy has happened and somebody's like venting about something. That's it. This woman <laughs> claps back and the moderator deletes her. The thread goes fucking crazy. The idea is the, the, the people who are angry about the slurs that she used, including the moderator, are coddling white supremacy, are choosing white supremacy over another black woman who was just, I want to use specific language because I think the language of it is important. She says, the woman was expressing righteous indignation. I tell you of all the reactions that I expected, that totally was not one of them. This other woman comes in, she left, she left, she left this really long voice note too. She was like, most of the people in this group are Pan-African or, or Garveyites. And I, was, and I was like, where, where is she going with this? And so she was like, we are staunchly pro-Black. To delete this Black woman out of a group is to choose white supremacy and its allies over a Black woman. And I was like, huh. I mean, I still think the lady's dead ass wrong. But I was like, never in a million years did I see that response coming. So another lady left the group in solidarity because she was basically like, I don't want to be in here with these coons and soft shoes. And I was like, oh, okay. But then come to find out, like once people started weighing in about the decision, um, I would say like maybe 75% of the group was like, I don't see anything wrong with what she said. 
it was two people. And mind you, I didn't participate in the group. I really just read this whole thing and was like, what the fuck? It gets slightly more crazy from here. There were like maybe three people who actually said something like, hey, racist terminology, ethnic slurs are never acceptable. If you want to vent, if colonization in the 1960s or the current version is really heavy on your mind, like that's something that's frustrating you, like that's fine. You're capable of doing that without using ethnic slurs. Like that's possible. Um, but there were only a very minute number of people who flatly called it out. I mean, there were so many responses being like, I don't see the problem and y'all kicking out, out this group for using what y'all keep calling racist language. And I was like, keep calling racist language. Is there a question about what's racist? Apparently, apparently. So the group moves on to like another discussion. Um, they're talking about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is Thursday. So this other woman had asked, why is it that we keep having group meetups, which by the way, I've never been to a single one, but why is it we keep having group meetups and people say that we can't bring our kids? We're women. Most, many of us are mothers. And I just feel like this very exclusionary to the mothers in the group to say that, you know, we can't, we can't bring our children to events. So half the women were like, yo, I use this as a space and I use our meetups to get away from them little mofos. Like I need a break. And then other people were like, yeah, like I'm a mom and I want to bring kids. So this other woman pipes in and she was like, hey, I'm in another group for black expats, mostly moms, and they do these scheduled meetups at this really popular shopping center. They do them like, I think she said they do them once a week, something like that. She was like, I can add you to the group so you can start coming to the meetups. And they divvy up the events by age of the kids so the kids can be with their peer group. Sounds great. So the woman was like, oh yeah, I used to be in that group. The person who runs it kicked me out. And she was like, really? I've seen all sorts of discussions about parenting, race, like anything in that group. It's almost like a, it's like a anything goes. What could you have possibly said to get kicked out the group? The woman writes back and says, I told them all gays are going to hell and sex was created for the purpose of procreation, which means it's only supposed to be had between a man and a woman. And I was like, yo, and I was expecting the group to explode. You said that shit. That's fucking crazy. Instead, they were like, what's the problem? You told the truth. They kicked you out for that. And I was like, yo, I got to get out this group. These are not my people. These are not my people. It's fine. I need, I need to find another expat group. This is too racist and homophobic to be a part of. I absolutely appreciate, you know, your, your lecture series and, and your, your author talks. And, the, and the, the more intellectually cultured side of Ghana. I, I appreciate that. But I was like, I, I can't. I, this is not one of those situations where I can separate the wheat from the shaft. I can't sit up here with y'all being this level of racist and this level of homophobic. This is not my space. This is not a safe space to me. When I tell you there was no pushback on that, I mean, none. None. And I was like, this is, this is wild. These are not my people. There's a ton of expats listening. If you know of any other expats group, if, if I am describing a group that is not yours, if you are in another group, please let me know because I still want the information about the readings and the art and the lectures. I just, I just need it without, you know, my entree or my side dishes or my appetizer or my dessert being, you know, tainted with racism and homophobia. I was like, that's, I'm good. I'm good. Um, 
I was about to say, speaking of drama and talk about this Tiffany Cross situation, I am, well, fuck it. I, <laughs> I saw last week the story in the New York Post about why Tiffany Cross got fired from MSNBC. And I held my tongue on it because I wanted to give Tiffany a chance to respond and respond publicly. I didn't reach out to her to ask like, girl, what happened? Um, We got mutual friends, but I don't know her like that to make that call. But the New York Post ran this piece on Tiffany Cross. Was it in page six? Because it read like page six. I'm pulling it up right now. No, it's not page six. It's a media exclusive. It's a piece full of anonymous sources close to the situation. And they're giving this inside scoop of what happened at MSNBC. One of the things that turned me off to the article was the person they spoke to quotes Tiffany. This is the quote. She made calls saying, I'm going out in a blaze and I'm taking down the network and I'm going after Rashida. Rashida Jones is is the head of MSNBC. She's a black woman. There's something about like, I'm going out in a blaze and taking down the network. Maybe the going after Rashida. I I don't know what their relationship is. I genuinely have no clue. But I'm going out in a blaze and I'm taking down the network. Black women don't speak like that. They just don't. And I was like, who did they speak to about this article? So the article also goes on to say, that Tiffany got an early wind that she was going to be let go from the network and her contract wasn't being renewed. And the article says that she called her high profile friends and told them what was happening to her. And she wanted to rally them to go against MSNBC and speak in her favor. The mutual friends that we share are pretty well-known people. It genuinely could be a case of I called my friends or I mentioned it in the group chat, in the group chat, because there actually is a group chat that has a bunch of high-profile Black women in media in it. I'm not part of it, but I know a bunch of people in it. And if you want to guess who's in it, they go on vacations together and all of that. So it could be a case of like I mentioned to my friend circle, who also does happen to be high-profile people, and said, this is what happened. You can also guess by the number of people that spoke out for Tiffany. They were like, hey, like she had this amazing show that like folks loved and you're cutting it right before the midterms? Over what? Fast forward. So the article continues. And notably, MSNBC declined to speak on the record for this post piece. And neither Tiffany Cross or her agent or her lawyer, none of these people participated in this interview. So the post goes on to say that the reason Tiffany was outed was because she has a habit of making vulgar comments and name calling on the air. It also says that she racked up expenses for five-star hotel stays in the amount of $100,000. Okay. This is during a two-year tenure at MSNBC. She went to the Super Bowl. She also went to the Oscars. And they're saying that she stayed at the Beverly Wilshire, which really isn't even the best hotel in L.A., to be quite honest. But it's centrally located. This source said that Tiffany was staying at the hotels that the NBC execs don't stay at. And she had charges that were more than $1,000 a night for a basic room during high season. Well, yeah, because it's high season. If if you want to stay in L.A. City, if you don't want to stay in county, During the Oscars, yeah, it's $1,000 a night. That might sound crazy 
if you don't live in LA, if you live in LA, I mean, regular rooms be like $6.95, $7.95 a night. Like, it just depends on where you're staying. And the Post knows this because they're running out of New York. When there's a major event in New York, the hotels get crazy expensive. They're writing this piece and they're not giving context to how much things cost, if even any of this shit is true. Let's continue. The source, and it, said, it seems to be this one source is sharing all this information. They're saying, quote, Tiffany mistook working in television news for being a celebrity. She was making north of 200000 and she acted like she made $5 million. I think this was supposed to be like some bombshell quote. And I was like, really? Only 200000 It was only one day a week, but I was like, still, it's like TV anchors make like a shit ton of money. Like she wasn't just an anchor. Like she was a host. Like she had her own whole show. Y'all, y'all only paying her 200000 I want to have a conversation with the agent. Madame is worth at least twice, maybe triple that. The Post goes on. This is the only part of the article that I really believe is out and out true. The Post notes that in, that in Tiffany's exit statement, which was very classy. One of the reasons I point out the classiness of it is because she was abruptly fired from her show and her contract not renewed. Her response could have been scathing. She could have gone down in a ball of flames or some Chris Cuomo, Nino Brown type shit talking about if I go down, everyone else goes down too. That's a choice. She chose not to go that route. She did a very classy statement. She dropped some numbers about her viewership, her ratings, how often conversations on her show would go viral. She talked about how she intended to make an impact. She thanked the viewers and the supporters. She kept it real cute and went on about life. And she's been quiet since then. So this post piece was a lot. The post did talk about the numbers that Tiffany quoted in her exit. She said that she did more than 4.6 million monthly viewers and that her show was MSNBC's highest rated weekend show. The post went and pulled the numbers from Nielsen, which is credible. Nielsen is credible. They also linked to Nielsen. Also reading this just now, like, I mean, because we're playing a numbers game, it's kind of disingenuous. Just a little bit. Tiffany said, I do 4.6 million monthly viewers. The Post quotes Nielsen and they say Cross never came close to that number and that her show drew between 704,000 and 465,000 per week since June. They said for the year, Cross's show averaged 548,000 viewers. All right, let's take the total times four, 2,192,000. So, so it's not the 4.6 million that Tiffany said in her statement. Okay, okay, sis. But it's also not the numbers that the Post is trying to portray. Tiffany measured the number in monthly viewers and Nielsen measured it in weekly. So at best here, they're both being a little dishonest about the numbers. She put it in monthly. Why couldn't they put it in monthly? They made it sound like she was lying times 10 when it was really like she was, you know, exaggerating times two. Also, just to be clear, I don't know Tiffany in real life. I saw her at an event once. I don't even think we spoke at the event and it wasn't like a rude thing. It just didn't happen. I have no dog in this fight. I just think the post going after her like this and not even so much the post. To me, this whole article reads like a straight up hit job. Something happened behind the scenes, which we're still not privy to at this time. And they decided they didn't want to be bothered with her anymore, which is fine. It's a choice. It's your airwaves. You can decide who's on it or who's not. 
You don't want to renew the contract? It happens every day, B. That doesn't necessarily strike me as something personal, but this article does. Not only are you not willing to employ her further, which is a choice, but this piece is sort of setting her up where she won't be able to be employed anywhere else. That's an issue. The Post goes on to say that, in fact, Tiffany's show was not the highest rated show. There's another show called MSNBC Live with Alex Witt. I don't watch MSNBC, so I have, I have no idea who this man is. But he averages 1.4 million viewers. And this next part is also weird. So in Tiffany's statement, she specifically said, I was MSNBC's highest rated weekend show. The Post goes on to drop the numbers of other weekend shows that have higher ratings than Tiffany's show. They give the numbers for a show on CNN, which is not MSNBC, so I don't know what it has to do with anything, because she specifically said MSNBC's highest rated show. And then they talk about a show on Fox News, which again is not MSNBC. And then they finally get to the part where they're just like, ratings also show that MSNBC Live with Alex Witt he is the network's highest rated show. I'm like, why didn't y'all just say that? Like, why are you quoting, why are you talking about a CNN show and a Fox News show when specifically, because we could, you know, we could actually still see Tiffany's statement on the internet that she says, I was MSNBC's highest show. But apparently she wasn't. Now this, I think, might have some validity for the network. The article goes on to talk about how execs were frustrated with some of Cross's comments. She'd been in a public feud with Tucker Carlson. She called Megyn Kelly a blackface expert, which, did she lie? Bill Mayer, she called an angry white old man. Again, were lies told? But maybe they didn't like her speaking the truth. They mentioned that she called CNN's Van Jones and ESPN anchor Sage Steele and former MSNBC anchor Carlos Watson. I'm not familiar with him. I know who the other two are. She characterized them as black journalists who are not necessarily black voices. Is there a point we're going to get to the lying portion here? The ratings part, maybe some lies, fabrications, and exaggerations. But this part, I can't find a lie. They said that the network standards team sat down with Cross multiple times during her tenure, warning her to refrain from name calling and use of vulgar and lewd language. They said their problem was never Cross's message, but her delivery. They said her demise was fast-tracked because on October 15th, (laughs) I read this before. I don't know why it's so funny to me right now. She referred to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who she called, quote, Justice Pubic Hair on my cocaine. (laughs) Again, did she lie? Is that not a direct quote from Anita Hill during testimony that was aired on the nightly news? I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, there's a pubic hair on my Coke can. Is this inaccurate? Has she lied? The article says that on November 3rd, Cross appeared on Comedy Central's Hell of a Week with Charlemagne. They said her comments rankled MSNBC execs. They said Charlemagne. How does Charlemagne end up in all this drama all the time? Charlemagne asked a roundtable of guests which state the Democrats could afford to lose in the midterm elections. (laughs) Tiffany responded, quote, (laughs) 
Florida literally looks like the dick of the country. So let's get rid of Florida. Let's castrate Florida. <laughs> Yo, there's been a running joke about how fucked up Florida is for years. The Florida man jokes. There's a meme of Bugs Bunny standing on a map cutting off Florida. All the crazy news. Like as soon as something batshit hits the news, people be like, was it Florida? The answer is often yes. They said the day after that Charlemagne interview aired, Tiffany was told she was out. Big note here, the same thing I was saying earlier about the number of people who rallied to support her. But the NAACP president, he came out to support Tiffany. The source of the sources, they said, according to sources, it's plural now. They said he was among the calls Tiffany made along with her friend, political commentator Angela Rod. And they said Johnson, the, the NAACP president and CEO, he didn't respond to requests for comments. And then Angela, Angela Rod did not respond either. But they do note that there was a letter written in support of Tiffany, and it was signed by 40 black leaders across politics and media. One of them was Color of Change President Rashad Robinson, another Jamel Hill. They criticized MSNBC for deciding not to renew her contract. So remember I said at the beginning of this, I held this until Tiffany had a response. <laughs> Over the weekend, I don't follow Tiffany on Facebook, um, but because I mentioned her on the show before and I said I was waiting on a response, people started tagging me in her response. So on Facebook, over the weekend, Tiffany quoted Maya Angelou <laughs> and Nas. She quoted a couple verses from Still I Rise and I was like, what's she up to? She said, you may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. Where's the ether beat when you need it? She said, you may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust. I rise. She put up an emoji of a black power fist and next to it, it says also, and then she's quoting Nas from ether. <laughs> well, life is hard. Hug me. Don't reject me or make records to disrespect me. <laughs> Blatant or indirectly. <laughs> she signs off in solidarity, brothers and sisters, always. A little brown heart, little brown heart, brown love, love from love from a brown woman. Oh, dear. So that's what she posted two days ago, Sunday. And, and then on Monday, it was announced that she'd retain the services of a very high powered lawyer of Gabrielle Union's lawyer. Remember, Gabrielle had that issue with uh, was it NBC? Remember, Gabrielle Union was on America's Got Talent. They fired her. And they said that she changed her hair too much, something like that. And Gabrielle was like, no, you fired me because I was complaining about Jay Leno making racist jokes about Asian people behind the scenes. It was like, whoa. So Tiffany has hired the same lawyer, power attorney Brian Freeman, who also, this is a side note, represented Megyn Kelly in her dispute with NBC. Didn't she walk away with like a few tens of millions? I don't know if they paid out her complete contract, but she left with good coin. Coin. She didn't leave empty handed. This is also, oddly enough, in the post. The post ain't shit. This is, this is according to page six. They don't even say a source. They say, we're told Cross suspects that the network head Rashida Jones, also a black woman, I mentioned that before, has a personal beef with the former Cross Connection host. That would be Tiffany. And that Cross worries there was something untoward going on behind the scenes. So according to a source, the lawyers have been in touch. Also, according to the source, they asked, what's the business case for letting her go? 
Brian Williams lied and they brought him back. Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski had a romance and they expanded their hours and paid them more money. Many people in business feel like Cross was made an example out of. Hmm. Also notable, former MSNBC anchor Keith Olbermann. He came to Cross's defense. That's, that's a, that wasn't on my bingo card. It, he called out the network. He said they're, quote, full of shit. Quote, it's a tradition as old as MSNBC itself. If an anchor leaves or she gets fired, when NBC gets slammed for it, it anonymously smears the talent and portrays them as a prima donna. The Post ain't shit. Their final sentence is reps for the fired anchor and MSNBC did not comment. You could have called that lady by her name. The former anchor. You ain't have to be a fired anchor. They so shady. I wish Tiffany the best. When did she get let go? She got let go at the beginning of the month. It was because it was four days before the elections, right? She got let go at the beginning of the month. She didn't hire a lawyer until after this post piece came out. Folks just don't know when to stop. Like, okay, you don't want my show anymore. You're not pleased with me for whatever reason. Okay, you don't want my show. You don't want to renew my contract. Okay, that happens in business sometimes. But the hit piece, which compromises her ability to get employed anywhere else, that's too far. Before you could pass it off as business, not personal. This is personal. Like now you're fucking with the church's money. Folks don't know when to just leave people alone. I think she would have gone quietly off to the next position. She would have taken some time off and she would have popped up somewhere else. And she would have just kept it rolling and pushing. That piece in the New York Post, folks just don't know when to stop. Folks just don't know when to stop. Now there's lawyers and shit involved. Oh, well. We'll continue to keep an eye on this story and see how it plays out. There's a bunch of other stuff on this list. Where do I want to start? Kelly Rowland. B- beautiful Kelly Rowland. Brown skinned girl, Kelly Rowland. I love me some Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland went to the AMAs. She had the distinct pleasure of announcing, was it best male R&B something or another? I didn't actually watch the AMAs. I just saw the clip when it became controversial. So best male R&B, whatever. The winner is Chris Brown and the crowd proceeds to boo Chris Brown, which was surprising to me. I'm like, did he do something crazy lately? Cause I thought Chris Brown, I don't know if I would ever say he was in good standing cause you know, the incident, there's a more recent story, but I don't know if it's boo worthy. Chris Brown was asked to perform a Michael Jackson tribute at the AMAs. And he, and come to find out, Sierra, because they both released footage from their rehearsals, were going to perform. Just the rehearsals, and not even a dress rehearsal, without the fancy lights. They're in a pretty bland studio, nothing fancy, but they're just doing the routine. And it's crazy. It would have been an amazing performance. And I feel a little robbed for it. The AMAs asked Chris to do the performance. He said, yeah, sure, of course. The AMAs called him last week, I think, and tell him, yeah. So on second thought, no, we're canceling the performance. And he's like, what? So he goes on social media, as Chris Brown is wont to do, and tells everyone what happened. And everyone's like, what the fuck? He releases the footage. Everyone's more like, what the fuck? That's the only recent Chris Brown incident. I don't know that that's enough to have people boo at the AMAs. He's done a bunch of shit. To my knowledge, he hasn't done anything recently. And I'm like, he's done plenty of award shows where nobody's booed him. So like, why now? I'm confused. So Kelly Rowland, 
who I didn't know at the time, but it's become very clear after, is a good friend of Chris Brown. The crowd starts booing. Kelly holds up a finger and is basically like, this is what we're not going to do. Tells the crowd to stop and then gives a shout out to Chris Brown and was like, I'm going to bring the award to you personally. Congratulations for the great music, the great R&B music that you've created. I watched it. I didn't think anything was wrong with it. And if it hadn't been presented to me as something, you know, Kelly Rowland does X, Y, Z. It was supposed to be like a thing, a controversial thing. I would have watched it and not think anything of it. The booing would have been more controversial than Kelly stopping the audience from booing and then saying Chris is a great R&B singer and that she would bring the award to him personally. People have gone apeshit to the point that they're talking about canceling Kelly Rowland. And they're like, why are so many black women rushing to defend a, an abuser? You know, obviously there was the incident with Rihanna. There are other women who have dated him who said that he was either physically or emotionally abusive. He's had some big blow up moments. He said some crash shit on Instagram. He and Karuchi breaking up. He didn't take that very well. He kind of like low key stalked that woman for a while. I'm not dismissing any of it at all. I just think it's weird how people never cancel Chris Brown, but you want to cancel Kelly Rowland for stopping people from booing at an award show and then saying he makes great R&B or because she's friends with him because she was like, oh, I'll bring it to you personally. You want to cancel Kelly, but you never cancel Chris Brown? How, how does that work? Something similar happened and I didn't like it when she did it either. But R. Kelly, I don't think the, the documentary about him had come out, but it was open knowledge. I mean, everybody at that point had seen him pee on the girl on the tape. And I want to say it was at the Soul Train Awards. One, R. Kelly was being allowed to perform, which was weird as fuck. But Erica Badu referred to him as like my brother, R. Kelly. And then everybody started going for Erica Badu's throat. And they were like, oh, black women upholding this bullshit. This is why men do it because black women condone it. But you wanted to cancel Erica Badu. But nobody ever canceled R. Kelly. R. Kelly didn't to this day get canceled. R. Kelly got locked up. And there's still a ton of people who just are like, no, why? Why? The music. I miss the music. Now, I'm with the people who were like, Kelly shouldn't have stepped in this shit. Kelly should have just, you know, kept it cute, accepted the award on his behalf and gone on about her life. Like, why does she jump in this? They're friends. I don't know about you. Maybe you live a saintly life. Maybe you and all your friends walk with the Lord. You ain't got no problematic people in your life. I have friends who do problematic shit. Now, I stopped fucking with the dude who tried to explain to me why he slapped his fiance. He told me he slapped her. And I was like, I'm sorry, you did what? He's just mentioned it casually. He was like, yeah, like she wouldn't shut the fuck up. I had to slap her to get her to shut the fuck up. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a casual phone conversation. We weren't talking about nothing deep. It wasn't a conversation about domestic violence, nothing like that. He was like, yeah, you know, she said X to me and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, she just went on and on and on. And I was like, yo, stop, stop, stop. He's like, she wouldn't stop. He was like, yo, I had to slap her to get her to shut the fuck up. And he was like, Demisha, you don't understand. It's part of my culture. He's black, but he's not African-American. But he really tried to justify that shit to me. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't. Like, you, you understand, like, I know her. Like, I understand I know her through you, but like, I know her. Like, I'm not okay with you slapping her. And he was like, what that got to do with you? And I was like, if we got into an argument, like, would you slap me? And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, why? Because you think I fight back? And he was like, no, because you're not my girlfriend. Nigga, what? That's not the right answer. That's not the right answer. I was still with my ex-husband at the time. And I was like, yo, if, if I came to you and said he slapped me, 
what would you say? And he was like, fuck no. I was like, so it's, it's not okay for him to slap me, but it's okay for you to slap her. And he was like, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying it happens sometimes. I'm sorry. Have you slapped her before? And he was like, we've had arguments. Have you slapped her before? It's happened before. Yes. But you talking to me like I beat women or some shit. Nigga, what? I loved that dude. I loved that dude. But I was like, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I got to distance myself from you. Had another really good friend. That was my eighth for a long time. Three separate women accused him of rape. All had the same story about the way that he pushed up. I was like, no, he wouldn't. Like, no. Like, I know this dude. Like, he would never. Like, he's he's never. Like, he just, I, I can't see it. Like, it's got to be a misunderstanding. But then, like, three women had the same fucking story. And I was like, yo, I can't fuck with you no more. Because I feel like my presence as a woman, people think, oh, you're cool with a woman. Like, you have these women friends that you're always around. Like, your bestie is a woman. Like, you must be okay. Like, at least safe in that way. Felt like as, as a female friend of his, I was functioning almost as a cover of sorts. And I was like, oh, no, I, I can't. No, I can't fuck with y'all. But I have other friends who are, you know, not that level of problematic. But, you know, they are good friends, but they are not the most respectful of the women that they date. If I stopped being friends with all the guys I know who disrespected women, I would have no male friends. I also wouldn't date. I say all that to say. Kelly, for whatever reason, considers Chris Brown a friend to the point that in the middle of all this controversy, she's still shouting him out and being like, I love you. She fucks with him. If that's what you purport to do for someone privately, then you're supposed to do the same for them publicly. If you call in somebody like, you know, your ace and, and, you know, declarations of I love you, I'm sure that's not just happening for social media. She, they have some sort of close and warm relationship. And I'm not saying it's anything more than platonic, but she clearly like likes to do if she holds him down behind the scenes and somebody that's like a friend, if someone's dissing him in public, then yeah, you're supposed to stand up for them. But yeah, either way, like you, I, you could tell me right now that Kelly Rowland is, is dead ass wrong. Like, and I could agree with you 100%. And I'm still going to tell you, I'm not canceling Kelly Rowland. Get the fuck out of here. She's giving too much to the culture. I also think it's really crazy and fucked up how like literally, like not even seven days have passed since everyone was rallying behind Kelly Rowland Cause she did this interview. Was it with Rosenberg? She did this interview. Was it with Rosenberg? I gotta look that up. But she did this interview and, and the interviewer phrased the question to her. Basically, how does it feel to be second to Beyonce? It wasn't exactly that, but that was essentially what he asked her. And she was like, you know, Beyonce is a light, but, but I'm a light too. Like, we may not have like the same career. We may not have like the same, like, you know, the same number of fans or the same amount of money or record sold, but like she's dope and I'm dope too. I'm not inferior in any way. I'm paraphrasing. I'm a light too is a quote. And then like after she answered the question, like he kept like digging and I was like, yo, you don't get it. Shut the fuck up. And it was so bad that he actually went back and apologized. And he was like, that wasn't what I intended, but I understand the way it came out and it wasn't cool and my bad. I'm sorry. But I was like all of last week, like people were like, oh my God, love Kelly, love Kelly, protect Kelly, defend Kelly, 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 Kelly. And then this week, like y'all trying to cancel Kelly? Fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. Y'all sound crazy. There's more. We'll be saving that till Friday. We're not done, but we're finishing. We're ending. Okay. Talk soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Bye.